Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Oh, Lord. Don't give me any ideas, Jimmy. Oh, for some reason, this song's just been stuck in my head. Oh? Somebody got it stuck in my head. Oh? Yeah. I can't say anything beyond that, but... I've been, like, you know, driving along, like, a song ends, a playlist ends, and I'm like, what am I going to tell Siri? Like, hey... Play, I touch myself, the divinals. <laughs> Cruising down the Perry Hill Road or Vaughn Road and my top down and my BMW. I'm so cool, man. Yeah, right. I'm not cool at all. But with this whole boy band thing, I don't think folks know this about me, Bear. You, you, let me tell you, you sang along with every one of those songs. Yeah, well, the honest truth is, I am actually my own boy band. Oh? Yeah. I play all the on. I play all the instruments. Uh-huh. I do all the vocal parts, the lead, the backing harmonies. I even bring in a little bit of a classic rock uh, flavor, kind of a Jethro Tull. I play my own flute. It's like everything I I play, and I'm not ready for public consumption yet. But we're getting there. But I'm getting there. Good. I've got quite a back catalog, a huge vault of stuff. So so it's like Prince when you when you pass. Yep. We'll be releasing albums for decades. Yeah, and did you see the news yesterday? No. They're releasing in September a full album that has never been released. Now, they've said this before as a diehard fan, and they're oh, never been heard. I'm like, no, I had that five years ago yeah. on a bootleg. So, But I am hoping, because this guy who's running the estate or running the music for the estate is the head of Spotify's like music. Yeah. So he pretty much knows what he's doing. He said he found some stuff he had never heard before that made him break down and cry. And what's crazy is he, he said, I almost felt weird and uncomfortable, but in a very emotional way, because it's like the guy's still alive through these videos and footage he saved. It's like so much spirit and artistry thrown into what he did that it's almost weird to go back and watch it. So, yeah, when they released the Nothing Compares to You, uh, Prince singing it himself and some of that rehearsal footage... I kind of made me sad. I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. It reminded me of like I missed the last show. I was going to go to the show in Atlanta. Was that at the Atlanta Fox Theater? And it was on a Thursday night. It was really expensive. Like I can't make that work with work. It's going to take out my savings account. I can't do it. It was his last show. You would now if you'd have known he was about to die. You would have done it. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, you can't win them all. It wasn't the full experience though. It was just him and a piano. And a microphone, well, which okay. is a good experience. But, uh, yeah, I'm my own boy band. And uh, I've been, you know, watching the news. And do you like the pomp and circumstance of the state dinner? Uh, I do. I do. I like a lot of the pomp and circumstance of what goes on around the presidency. I like the uh, the transitions of power, the, uh, 
uh, inaugurations. I like election night. I like when they have to play ruffles and feathers and all that when they walk in. I like that the guy comes out and says, ladies and gentlemen, the president yeah, of the... I mean, I, I like it all. I do. Uh, we don't have nobility here in the United States. Right, but... but um, and, 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 and the closest thing we have to nobility is... is the presidency, and it's it's interesting to watch it. It doesn't matter whether you like the guy there or not. Uh, it, it's a fascinating. It's just it, I like it. I do like it. Yeah. I think if you're in on it, I would. If I was in on it, I would like. You mean it. like if you were the president, or just like invited to a state dinner? Yeah, but you don't like watching it from afar. No, I kind of dislike this idea that they chose the word president hmm. on purpose. Yeah. The most boring title ever. Yeah. And yet over the years. That word is taken on, like you just suggested, almost noble, uh, an almost noble air to it. Well, it, and I don't like that. I don't like all the pageantry around, like in the mythology weaved around the office. It's amusing to me that prior to the Civil War, you could walk into the White House. Right. Anybody could. Right. There was no fence. There was no security. There were no door locks. Big block of cheese day with Andrew Jackson. Yeah, you just wandered in and you could just mill around the White House and all that. And I, and I, and I think that's cool, too. Um but but you know I mean I like it when it's informal like yeah. hey what's up Donald how you doing Barack George yeah. you know George wouldn't mind that what's no. up George jo George would want to get hammered with you in the East Room and and watch Texas Rangers games well and actually Key and Peel said the first time they met Obama he came up and like immediately gave him the handshake and a hug and they were freaking out like oh my God we're touching him and like look at the Secret Service don't shoot us he's the one who <laughs> hug us like very informal very comfortable yeah. and I'm sure Trump's like that with certain people but I I do have to say Trump has a way. Of, like, all of his mannerisms, I do enjoy that. Like, I know it drives some people crazy. I thought it was hysterical today. Like, oh, let me get that dandruff for you. He yeah. could have just wiped it off without <laughs> saying, let me get that dandruff. We want you to be perfect. You are perfect. He was treating Macron like a beauty pageant queen. Well, it was, it was, do you remember, it was at the G8 or the G10? It was not too long after Trump won. And they're there, and they're in the photo op. It may have been the G20, I don't know. And Macron is on the far upper right of the stage, and Trump is in the traditional position for the American president, which is kind of down in the middle in the front. Mm -hmm. And Macron sees where Trump is, and, and you can watch video of it. There's yeah. a video of him weaving his way through these world leaders to get next to Trump for the picture. <laughs> like he's... Like, he's a freshman in high school, and, and he's like the backup quarterback, and he wants to be next to the senior, you know? It was a really cool image because, again, I don't think Macron probably wanted Donald Trump to be president. Right. But still, I mean, there's a recognition that America's president is the badass on earth. I mean, he's the guy. He's the one everybody wants. And you want to be close to that guy. Cause, oh, you do. You know, and, and, and so even Macron recognizes that. I think implicitly they all recognize that, even though... It's cool. It's it's you know like Kanye right now. Kanye's getting a terrible time. I know because he came out. <gasps> How dare you? And, I mean, all he said was, "There's this girl, and I think she's. I, I respect her because she's willing to say unpopular things." And they're talking about putting him back into a mental institution. What did he go to the mental institution for last time? Because being he, married to a Kardashian. No, he went to a mental institution because he was on stage and said, "This Donald Trump guy, he's all right." And they put, they locked him up. They locked him up, and and now they're talking about putting him back in there. There was a Washington Post piece on this on this Kanye deal, and and they were basically psychoanalyzing why would he be saying this stuff. And the options were like he's an idiot, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's out of touch with reality. He, you know, he's in such a bubble. He doesn't know what racism is. Not one time, not one explanation was. Maybe Kanye likes Donald Trump. Maybe he likes low taxes. Maybe he doesn't want an open border with Mexico that's about to become the next Venezuela on our southern border. Maybe he likes these things. And that's it's something uh, Christopher Hitchens pointed out as he was leaving the left and supporting the Iraq war. He said there's this trapdoor trick on the left that if you disagree, then it's either out of some sort of like hatred or just pathological bigotry of some sort if you disagree with me or you're crazy or dumb. Right, and so you're. It's one thing to psychoanalyze people instead of actually arguing with them about why do you like this, yeah. understanding people. But it brought something up. Uh, Jordan Peterson. He yeah. was on Bill Maher's uh, show, and it was this big panel, and it. I guess it went whatever way. I think Maher went how it went, wanted to go. He wanted it to go. Peterson, I think, accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. So Peterson then goes on Fox and Friends, and they have some conversation about understanding and how polarized the nation is. And then later that day, Peterson actually posted the Fox and Friends interview and said, Hey, uh, Fox, you kind of got this wrong. He said, I took on and did battle with the Bill Maher liberal audience. Like, no, I didn't. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about, polarization. Yeah. I, don't know, I guess it's the name of the game. But I, I like people who actually have, you know, some expertise in psychoanalysis to speak on the subject. I, no, I don't mind people trying to break down Kanye, but at least give one of the options right. that he likes Donald Trump's policies. Right. You know, I mean, you can say maybe he's lost his mind, maybe he's nuts. Maybe, yes. But but how about one of the options is, okay, well, he's a black man who likes low taxes and a tight border. You know, maybe, that, maybe that's an option. Maybe that's why he likes Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have... I had a... I, I, I hope he's not listening. He lives in Montgomery. <laughs> I had a boss years ago who... Um, I didn't know was gay for a long time that I worked there. My wife actually pointed it out. And then I, I just point blank asked him. And Wait, your wife has gaydar? Apparently stronger and more significant than mine. I, wow. I couldn't figure it out. That's amazing. And um, and, and anyway, so she pointed it out. So I asked him one day, just point blank. I said, hey, my wife said she thinks you're gay. You know, are you? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I didn't know that. He's like, well, I didn't know it mattered. I was like, what well, does it? And I just was curious. You know, you never brought it up. He said, well, have you ever heard me talk about women? I said, well, no. But mm. I hear I know lots of men that don't talk about women. I mean, they don't objectify women. That's kind of a misnomer that men sit around objectifying women yeah, all day. Yeah, but I, I, I'm guilty. Well, uh, you are, but I mean, you're not. You, you objectify women. Yeah, but I objectify and I put them on a pedestal. But anyway, and I do all the things you shouldn't do. But really, I'm just a lonely, insecure person who wants to get to know people. But I finally asked him. I said, well, this doesn't make sense because you're a big Republican. You know, you at the time he loved George Bush. He, right. he, uh, he was, and I said, you're a big Republican. How do you square that circle? And he said, I like men, not high taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, that'd make perfect sense. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. It's putting people into these groups. It is amazing. Now, uh, th- it is cool what some of the psychologists are finding out is that political disagreements don't always just come from an intellectual policy disagreement. Yeah. It does, people who tend to be like more open and creative, and by open we mean they like kind of think in a horizontal matter, like ideas feed into other ideas. I'm that way. And by every standard, I should be left wing. 
but I'm not. I hear a lot of the equality talk on the left going way too far with it. It drives me nuts. And I also love insulting people. That's why I like comedians so much. But then people on the right who tend to be conservative usually have a greater sense of orderliness or uh, being conscientious about their space. So artists and those sloppy types tend to be on the left. Yeah. People that are more the folks that do the difficult job but, tend but, to be on the right. It, but it's not always true. And what he's, a lot of these folks like Jonathan Haidt, Jordan Peterson have done in these studies found when people yell at one another from the left and the right, they're not even agreeing on like a basic view of reality, let alone facts before you get to complicated facts about a political system. They're not even understanding where each one is coming from in terms of what they value personally. But I don't, I, I think I think you're misreading it a little bit. I, I, and I've heard that argument that, that left-wing people tend to go into the arts or tend to go into this. I, I look at it a little differently. If I was in a rock and roll band and I wanted to stay relevant and I wanted to keep making millions of dollars a year, or if I was a pop star or if I was an actor, right? in, in, in the sheer interest of self-preservation, I would be a public left-winger. That that happens. I would, I would take on some environmental cause, no doubt. Save the whales. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump is evil. Because if you if you maintain that position, yeah. you can stay an A lister and make ten to twenty million dollars a year. Nobody asks any questions. I mean, and look, you're doing good. You're good, good for the environment. Who doesn't love the environment? Well, you know? no doubt, a lot of that goes on. Yeah, but but and then once people kind of hit the pinnacle of their career and they're on the backside, that's when you start to see them, and, and they're no longer trying to stay relevant. That's when you sort of see them come out and say, eh, you know, the Republicans aren't all bad. Right. You know, and then, I'll, boom, they're, they're off the A-list. They're not invited to any cocktail parties. They'll never get another award. But they've made their millions of dollars. They don't care. At well, that point, they just they just want to be somewhat intellectually honest on the back end of their career. But let's say, because these guys have done some pretty in-depth studies, they're saying on average yeah. that people on the left tend to be more o higher levels of openness and tolerance. And to a degree, I'm that way. But here's where I'm coming from, like, on immigration. I do see somebody who maybe has a crap situation in Guatemala or Mexico or Honduras. They want to get to this country. They want to make their own life better and their family's life better. They really aren't harming anybody else. They're not violent people. They're not defrauding anybody else. They just want to make a living better than they could in their host country. I think that exists. But then also when Trump talks about they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some I assume are good people. Well, actually, there are a lot of people coming from Mexico and whatnot who are in the drug trade. There are a lot of criminals who are, in fact, immigrants. So it's a little bit of both. And especially if you bring in the whole cultures mashing situation, which there will always be growing pains. My point of view is both perspectives are correct. Both perspectives are correct. You have both. Yeah, I mean, look, look here's, the, here's the problem. In the United States, the, the notion of left and right have so totally merged. Oh, true. Because as, as a conservative, we say we want the government out of our lives. We want to... I wish. We want, yeah, exactly. And, and, and conservatives, if you just hear them profess their values, they profess a very libertarian mind. <laughs> yeah. I want the government away from me, minimal interference. You know, I only want the government to take care of what it has to. I don't want a police state. I don't, 
and then the reality is you say, okay, well, let's let's open up the uh, crack cocaine markets and let CVS start selling it. Well, we got to get the FDA involved in here and we need the prosecution in there. I mean, just take the, and I'm not, and, and every libertarian argument devolves into drugs, but, you, you know, you have to. I suppose, or roads. Yeah. That's where the opponents of libertarian want to. Well, but, it, but, but what I'm saying is conservatives say that until you start proposing specific do you actually believe in liberty in this case? Right. Yeah. Specific removals of government power. And then all of a sudden they're like, eh, well, maybe not. And, and liberals like to act like it's all equality and tolerance and feel good and everybody's equal until you start saying, okay, well, Kanye West should be able to, in, in an ordered society, get on Twitter and say whatever he wants to say. Uh, people should be able to get on Twitter and say all kinds of hateful, nasty things. John Stuart Mill, as we mm -hmm. talked about on this show, the answer to bad speech is more speech. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they go, well, let's get the, let's get the police out. And, and I mean, over in in the United Kingdom, you can get arrested for criticizing a murderer. Yeah, you can get arrested. They don't have free speech in Europe. Right. Western Europe has no such idea of free speech. They don't have freedom of religion right. over there. Uh, and but but that's considered like a liberal ideal. And so the the. There is no pure liberal out there today. There's no pure conservative well, out there today. Everybody's sort of a mesh. Well, part of what's happened, especially in this country, and I'm reading a book on it this week, I was telling you about it this morning, is the progressive movement in the early uh, 1900s, the turn of the 20th century, they won. And it got even worse in the 30s. They won the argument. They took political power. They flipped the Constitution on its head. Uh, and turned it into sort of a managerial state that manages things domestically. Um, whether you're talking about moral laws like alcohol prohibition and drug laws, or you're talking public education, uh, minimum wage laws, all these things were not just passed because, oh, we're so enlightened and they're great. A lot of the reasons for certain interest groups were pretty nefarious. Especially when you bring in the eugenics conversation. Now, it wasn't, obviously, you hear that term, you think of Hitler. At worst, they were talking about sterilization, which is pretty horrid. But, I mean, that was a big movement for the progressives. A lot of what they talked about, they, they accomplished. The Federal Reserve, the income tax, uh, the war state, the constant warfare state. We used to have a fear of standing armies in this nation. Yeah, I, I think, and, and you misallocate, I think, a lot of the problem to Teddy Roosevelt at the beginning of the problem to Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt was there until 1909. You know, I March think of Roosevelt was uh, a pawn Well, what was actually going on. Easy rider. Uh, Roosevelt was there until March of 09. He was a Morgan man. The, the modern globalist state didn't start until 1917. That's where I kind of pinpoint it as it's, as it's infancy 1917 and so between roosevelt's 1901 to 1909 when he was president uh you had sort of the beginning of the progressive movement and i think with very pure motives saying you know there there is an inequality that the government could come in and seek to levelize uh, at some at some level we need to figure out what that is what what government involvement is too little and what government involvement is too much the progressives saw that in the midst of world war one and said aha you know the the true progressives came in and said I, we got an idea. Yeah, but there's also uh, there's always this vibe I get. It. It's still going on to this day about we want to make things equal. There's this sort of messiah complex that goes on with it, especially when it's some hoity-toity rich white person. Yeah. It's a messiah complex with the progressives, and half the time it's a front, in my opinion. I think a lot of that control of labor, control of people's economic freedoms, control of people's social uh, 
lives was them imposing their point of view on other people through the power of government. And they won. Unfortunately. They did, but they didn't win through... What, we've been what, chipping away at it, and so they didn't ways. win through through equal philosophical arguments, no. and and then defeat each other at the ballot box. They came in, they, they changed the denominator in the fraction, and that's that's what that's yeah. what the progressives did. They, they did. came in and changed the rules of the game. Yeah. They changed the denominator, and then all of a sudden, you're no longer playing the same game you were playing when they took over the first time. And they did it through successive election after successive election. And what I'm saying is, in the midst of World War One, they looked around and thought. Boy, we can get really, really wealthy if we work together at the top end around the world to keep a perpetual war state. Again, I go back to it. I don't. I don't mean to sound cuckoo for cocoa puffs here. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but but Hitler was pl- paying millions of dollars per month to a private army for eight years before he took office. Where was that money coming from? Right. He wasn't right. producing a product. Somebody was paying him to have a private army of millions of dollars a month worth of consumption. Where was that money coming from? And the reality was that came from the group that got together in 1917 and said, you know what? If we can keep areas destabilized, and Germany's the linchpin to Europe, and it always has been. And that's why Merkel's trying to destroy it. Because she doesn't want Europe to be strong and Christian and moral. She doesn't want that. The globalists can't have that. Uh, it's it's telling to me none of the globalist leaders around but, the world have children. It's telling to me. But from my perspective, if the argument is, and it is a real argument these days, no doubt, but if the argument is globalism versus nationalism, then the progressives have still won. I don't think so. I don't think so because what you call globalism and what I call globalism are different. Global trade is not globalism. Well, no, no. I, I agree with your definition of globalism. These global governing institutions that are trying to essentially regulate everything from a center place of power, whether it's the UN or the IMF or the WTO. Yeah. I, I don't think you need, for instance, a World Trade Organization to actually have global trade. No, you don't. But but it, where, I w- where I would make a small distinction of what, what you just define globalism is you take global Global corporations, corporations with global reach, multinational corporations that are operating on different continents at different times in different sure. countries, but they operate in a, in a given market, in a given commodity, and they go in and they buy up a huge chunk of that commodity, and then they go lobby with their millions or billions or trillions, frankly, of dollars of commerce. They go lobby the governments to change the denominator, to change the rules of the game, yes. meaning no one else can any longer compete with those people. And they do it in country after country after country, and then they manipulate the market, it's no longer a free market. They manipulate the market to, to maximize their profit from each individual market. It hasn't been for since the, and I'm, I'm not just dogging your boy, Teddy, but I mean, there's all that. Teddy would have never it, been on board with that. That's when it begins, though. The sort of we need to regulate and we have powers the Constitution does not explicitly give us in order to go out and do all the things we want to do. Yeah. And the big theory is a lot of this was be trying to be done, like creating trust and controlling the market, like you're describing. Yeah. People, big corporations were trying to do that in the late 1800s. But because they didn't have the government to go to and get all those privileges, not in an overt way. I mean, you can go back further. It was happening with railroads in some ways. Yeah, but who stopped it? Who stopped it in the early 20th century? No, but the what, Teddy Roosevelt was what, the original trust yeah, buster. But if you, I'll send you this book. What he's essentially doing is breaking up trusts for the Morgans against the Rockefeller interests. And the Morgan interests are being benefited by attacking other different competitors. Yeah. 
it, it's, it became this game of we're doing this to take on big business in general, but in practice it became we're going after certain big businesses that our money backers don't like, that are those money backers' competitors. Yeah. And this, that's the game today. That is essentially the game today, and it drives me nuts. Instead of people going, we want actual freedom and limited government, they say, well, if they're going to advocate for privileges on their side, I'll advocate for privileges that are advantageous to me. And it's a perpetual game of feeding at the government trough and fighting over political control. And if that's the game, I guess so be it. I don't think it's going to serve us very well going forward. Well, it may not serve us very well, but but it, the reality is most people want some regulation in their lives. Very few people want a true anarchist state or a true libertarian state. Most people, uh, you know, and, and here's how you can tell. You go poll the public and you say, is government too large? And 80% of people say, yeah, 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 government's too large. We need mm -hmm. government out of our lives. And you say, okay, well, let's go, let's go program by program and say, which programs do you want to cut? Do you want housing subsidies cut? No, I don't want that. Yeah. Yes. Do you want Medicare cut? Oh, no, not Medicare. Yes. You want Medicaid cut? Well, no, yes, no, Medicaid. Yes, I do. No, I know, but 2 to 5% will say yes. But 80, 90% of people say, no, don't cut that program. It's a great program. Yep. Social Security? No, don't cut Social Security. And and these rea the reality is if you go and you take 90% of the U.S. budget and you ask people, do you want to cut any of these programs that make up 90% of the budget? Overwhelmingly, everyone says no. And this is the point I made to 84 last night. It's the point I've been making for months now. The old... Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power tends to corrupt, absolutely. What we essentially did with democracy was we replaced the king, we replaced the emperor, the single head of state, with the people. And it turns out power not only corrupts you know, big emperors and kings and queens, it's corrupted the people. You offer them all that power, and look at what they're doing. They don't want to cut anything. We still have the monarchy in the United States. We still have the monarchy. The crown, though, is no longer a single family. It's a corporate body. And that crown elects who they want, whether it's Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or George W. Bush so or Bill Clinton. That crown elects a figurehead to go out there and act like, and give people the illusion that they have choice. But the like reality is there saying. is a monarchy in this country that owns it. I like what you're saying. So if that's the figurative king monarch yeah. Yeah. or oligarchy, we could say. Maybe. It is. It's an oligarchy, if, but, it, but it functions like a monarchy if, because they, they speak in unison. If that's the figurative monarchy, who was always paired in history, no matter what? culture with the monarchy or the empire it was the faith the yeah. religion and no we have freedom of religion thank it's the one thing that's really worked in this country and luckily we've stuck to it for the most part but so you can't have one religion backing you up and appealing to the people that your power is just in our society so what do we run to we run to the pretense of science of we did this study of we have these intellectuals speaking on our behalf, which you often find in the university system and in media. Yeah. And that's the alliance. It's back. The ancient regime that yeah, ruled it's a, for it's a so monarchy long. with faith. It's 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 the corporate monarchy that exists today with this uh science. Science. Yeah, sci scientism. Yeah, it's a great I mean great, science great is very important. It's advanced us a great deal, but uh I I but what we had today is not science, though, because right. science has a scientific method. You you propose a hypothesis, you you develop a way to test the hypothesis, you test the, hypo test the hypothesis, and then you look at the results and say, should we keep this or not? Right. The, but the problem today, and, and, and Galileo was not dependent on a government grant. No. But today, in order to be a scientist with a six-figure income and a lab and a, a university professorship, you got to do whatever the hell the federal government tells you to do. Pretty much. And if the federal government wants you to advance a pro- XYZ agenda, 
You better advance the well, pro and XYZ. You got to play agenda. nice with the DEA. You got to play yeah, nice with the oh, FDA. Yeah. You got to play nice with the NIH. Yeah. I mean, or else you're out and, you, and you're bankrupt. And I think it is, it's hobbling us. Yeah. I think but it's a because lot of it's the new religion. Yeah. It's the new religion. It is. What they do with Galileo. Cut us out. In, in many ways, it is the new religion. And it's, um, well, we got to hit a break. Yeah, go ahead. Before we hit a break, I got to tell folks finally, I have somebody. That, well, you have to pay for the show. And you have a great guy. I'm oh, so I'm guy. so proud you have this guy because he's well, fantastic. And he's been telling me, and I'm interested. I'm actually going to go out with this guy, Eddie Bader, on Saturday, out during the day, and I'm going to be looking at homes. Yes, if you're looking or thinking about buying or selling your home, you need to talk to Eddie Bader from the Goodson Group. Now, you've talked to you know Bo Goodson. I'm sure you've heard Bo Goodson. He advertises on this station all day long. He's been around forever. But Eddie has come through the Goodson Group, and he has learned to be an excellent real estate agent. He's done it for himself, and he's now doing it for others. So if you're Montgomery, Prattville, Wetumpka, Lake Jordan, Lake Martin, all points in between, you need to give Eddie Bader a call. Put down this number, 322-0662, 322-0662. Real estate really is a great tool to build long-term uh, wealth. It's a great investment opportunity. Right now, from talking to Eddie, it is a buyer's market. So you could be a first-time home buyer, and you know, ignorance is no excuse. That's why you call somebody like Eddie Bader, because he can help you through the process. And also, maybe you're active or retired military. You already know what you're doing. You still need a guy that can make sure the process goes swimmingly. Or maybe that family's just growing. You, you need a new house, Baron? That family's growing off. I quick. just got one like six months yeah, ago. Okay. I wish I'd have known Eddie Bader you at the gotta time. you got to go to Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Again, give Mr. Bader a call. 322-0662. 322-0662. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside me. He's the champ. He's the current reigning defending well he is disputed champ of the news talk airways undisputed fair enough we'll be right back baron coleman alongside joey clark talking to the rolex wearing diamond ring wearing kiss stealing woo, wheeling dealing limousine riding jet flying son of a gun and i'm having a hard time holding these alligators down you know, sometimes I'm so pumped up, Baron. I'm mm. so in the groove with oh, the conversation. I, I don't even need bumper music. Oh, I noticed. I noticed we went out cold and came in cold. Yeah, I don't even need it right now. Well, here's what you... You know, we, we talked about this last time I was here. Yeah. You asked me, do I still get the, the butterflies a little bit when I get on the air? Yeah. And I don't. I, I, I know, In a lot of ways, I wish I did a little bit still. Because Likewise, yeah. It, it sort of keeps you on your game a little bit, and I'll find myself not focusing because I forget I'm on the radio. Right. I, or it's like I'm at home listening to the radio. A caller will call in, and I'll just, like, I'll start, in. well, no, I'll start daydreaming. Right. Because right. at home, sometimes the radio's on, and something crosses your mind, and you start daydreaming, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, I hear in my ears, what do you think about that? I'm like, what the hell did they say? So <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Say it again. It's not that I'm being rude. I just, I get so comfortable well, in a radio in, studio, in, I forget I'm on the air. In my personal case, it's like I start thinking about someone and go, oh, dream <laughs> I believe in get me through. Is that rear end battery powered? <laughs> <laughs> Is it moving on its own? Oh, and you know, I haven't talked about it this week much, but. WWE is doing this greatest Royal Rumble ever. Oh, yeah? You, know, you talk about Trump reaching out to the Saudis. Yeah. This is like WrestleMania 34.5. We just had WrestleMania. This is freaking huge. Well, and, and what is the... Um... It's in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Oh? 
50-man Royal Rumble. It's going to be a five-six-hour you know show. That. You know who proposed that? World Wrestling Hall of Famer Donald J. Trump. I guarantee you was he in on might that. have. I guarantee it. Uh, it's no, and it's incredible because this has got to be part of the outreach effort. Look, you guys come along and play ball. We'll send some of our stars over to you. We'll start doing some, uh, you know, golf tournaments over yeah. there. We'll do some. I don't know if they can have fishing tournaments in the middle of freaking desert, but we'll do something over there. Are well, you saying Trump was the guy who gave me the idea? This yeah. is Vincent J. McMahon. Yeah. K. McMahon. J. Well. I forget my middle initials sometimes. <laughs> Tell me you've heard the Mac Mahone bit. The Mac Mahone? Have you not heard that in the... I don't know uh, if I have. All right, so so Susan, when when uh, Susan was here on the air in the morning show, they, she would do the timeline and go through and do the yeah. the names, and she would say Vince McMahon <laughs> turned sixty two today, and Jay was like uh, McMahon, and Greg said that reminds me of my uh, my favorite late night sidekick uh, Ed McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct, sir. It, it was a, it's in the system. It's a great bit. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. And then also this weekend, Infinity War comes out. What does that mean? In ten is that a TV years, show? No, a movie. Okay. Marvel's been doing this universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with Iron Man in 2008. And they did Captain America and the Can I, can I let you know a secret? Thor. The last superhero movie I saw. Mm-hmm. The Michael Keaton Batman. That's a good one. The original, but that's the last one I saw. Okay, if I've not seen not any of the Spider-Man's, the Hulk. I'm not telling you to watch any all the Marvel universe, but I will give you this just because you like politics. Yeah. Watch Captain America: Winter Soldier. Okay, it is like a political. I can assure you, I'm not going to. No. Please but I, watch I, I, I'm listening to you. No, I'm saying if you feel like I watching see your the movie, lips moving, I hear wind going through the pipes. Yes, yes, I know. I just don't. I just don't imagine myself watching. I don't watch a lot of movies to begin with. Fair enough. And I. I mean, I might watch a movie or two a year. I think that's still the best Marvel movie. And it really, the reason it's the best movie is it's essentially a political spy thriller with some superheroes thrown in. You don't even need the superheroes for the movie to be awesome. What was it called? Winter Soldier. Captain oh, America. Winter. Soldier. I saw a cool, really clip. great. Movie. Okay, I saw a cool clip. A cool clip of a superhero movie. Tell me if you've seen it because I've been trying to figure out what it is. The guy's in a prison and he's a superhero and he he fights this tough guy in prison and he looks at him. He says, "You guys, I'm not trapped in here with you guys. You guys are trapped in here with me." I've been trying to track down what that movie. I guess I could Google the line and see. If you it. sure it's a prison and maybe an elevator? No, it was a prison because uh, that was the whole point. You guys are trapped. You guys are trapped in here with me. Hmm. Uh, I could probably go. I've just never bothered. Might have been to Guardians it. of the Galaxy. What did the dude look like? Uh, he was kind of a squirmy looking, slimy guy. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, I can't. I can't name that scene. I'm not trapped in here with you guys. You guys are trapped in here with me. That was the line. The magic of technology. What is that? Uh, say? That was. It was called. Uh, buh, buh, Watchmen. Oh yeah, you seen the Watchmen? Oh, Watchmen's fantastic. Okay. Watchmen is dark. That is a great graphic. Well, I want to see it just based on that one scene. I yeah, saw. Watchmen is fantastic. There's a. Uh, I'll warn you though, Doctor Manhattan. Ooh, I don't know who that is. He's he was working on the Manhattan Project and uh -huh. he got infused with the radiation, so he became almost like a god. Oh, that's gnarly. Like he's all and he's a Dr. big blue Manhattan. guy and he's naked. So there's a little that. too much blue D in the movie. I don't need to see that. You don't want to watch the movie in 3D. That's it's Watchmen? A little, yeah. That's Watchmen? Yeah. It's I got mean, a lot of D? It's a, a lot of it. Just him. Don't watch it with the and kids? And it's not really... Yeah, no, do not watch Watchmen with the kids. What, what, tell For me all what, sorts of reasons. What's dark about it? 
it's just intense. It's not like, oh, you're happy-go-lucky superhero. They're all very flawed people with superpowers. And mm. the whole and the whole world is almost like a film noir. Everybody's out so to get everybody. So it's dystopian future. Almost, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's I, a really I, great movie. That one scene was really well done. It was a cool concept that this little squirrely like guy takes on the big bad thug in jail and says, you guys are trapped in here with me. Right. You know, and I, I thought, you know, that's kind of cool, table turning. But I, I come back to Infinity War because they, it's never been done before. I think it's a business commercial story on top of a incredible just storytelling. They start off with a little Marvel decides. If it doesn't come out yet, how do you know all this? Well, because they've been building for 10 years. Oh. Uh, that essentially Marvel decides we don't want to work with another studio. We're going to start our own studio. They mm. get a little bit of seed funding. They get John Favreau to direct Iron Man, their first movie, with Robert Downey Jr. Knock it out of the park. Is he related to Brett Favreau, the... Quarterback? <laughs> I don't know. Different spelling. Oh, my man. You know, John Favreau from Swingers with Vince Vaughn. Now, that was a good movie. That's old. Yeah, but it's John, that guy in Swingers with Vince Vaughn, his okay. best buddy. Uh, he's, now, he's now a director? Oh, yeah. He directed Iron Man, directed the live-action Jungle Book. I think he's doing a live-action Lion King. That yeah. should be great. That's anyway, they knock it out of the park with a little bit of seed funding. They take this huge risk. And they've now built it, and it's now Disney's bought them. It is a multi-billion dollar. They're one of the few people that can release a movie. Like, Black Panther broke all sorts of records. Is that recently. who did Black Panther? Yeah. I kind of want to see that. Have and you seen all it? these characters, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, well, How did, the, how did anyone know that wasn't going to be successful? Well, I know. That's, that's a heck of a franchise. How, how did someone say, well, I don't know if you can release Thor? Because Hollywood, there is a think. Uh, Hollywood, it, I, Larry David was having this conversation in an interview. He said, by most people in the business, they would think Seinfeld's a weird show that appeals only to New York Jews. Cranky New York Jews. Yeah. No, it has mass, curb your enthusiasm's even worse. No, but it has mass appeal. Yeah. Who's going to uh, have the ability to relate to a rich cranky old Jewish guy in Hollywood named Larry David. But that show's immensely successful, and I think Hollywood still has this idea of okay, there's only so many times you can go to the well for an all-black superhero movie. It's like, no, that movie was just fantastic, on top of the historic nature of it. I, 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 it I do want to see it, just because... Really good movie. You know, that, that's the kind of movie I want to see. And, and I'll tell you, the last few movies I've seen... And I think I've said this on the air before. I saw uh, 300. Great movie. I saw Avatar. That's all right. I saw American it's, Sniper. It's really, Avatar's just firm gully. Yeah, but, but special I mean, effect. what I'm saying is I see movies that are epics, that have great oh. production value. Huge, you know, to, to make American Sniper, you have to recreate a war zone. Right. You know, and do well, it. Well, then you'll like Infinity War. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the kind of, but but. I don't do fantasy other than Avatar I saw just because of the 3D value of it. I don't do fantasy. I don't do superheroes. I don't do vampires. I mean, what you I don't described do liking is Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, again, I, so look, they've I, been teasing this out. I, I, I'll be honest. I probably won't check it out. Probably but, not. But no. your your opinion does carry a lot of weight with me, and maybe I'll look at it. Well, and it's also never been done before. Essentially, they have told stories loosely, different chapters, with all sorts of different characters for ten years, and it's now culminating in a movie that has all the characters in it. 
I mean, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars going into this, and also the special effects have gotten better. It's been able to invest in better ways of telling the story. You have directors working with each other across movies to make sure character mm-hmm. development makes sense. It's an incredible feat, and they're going to knock it out of the park. It's going to make all sorts of money, and the story they're going to tell, the bad guy, Thanos, yeah. is a really fascinating uh, motivation for a bad guy. Look, I'm not opposed to it. I, I may one day watch it, but it's just I don't watch a lot of movies, and the movies I like to watch, yeah. I typically like biographies, histories, or movies that are so epic that they have, but again, not fantasy, not vampire, not zombie, not aliens. I like magical realism. Like Shape of Water, it deserved to win Best Picture. I know. I watched Never it. Never heard of it. I, I watched it after it won Best Picture this past year. Guillermo del Toro. And essentially, it's a fairly period movie, like 60s Cold War. It's a American... I saw Bridge of Spies was good. Yeah, it's a good movie. You're, you're naming movies, though, that aren't that, uh, that new. You're right, you don't I watch... I don't watch movies. movies. I don't watch, watch movies. movies. No. I think... Uh, I can't remember the last actual movie I sat through. Hmm. Do you read books? Uh, yeah, I do. I don't read as many as I used to. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, the phone is kind of... And you know what has stopped me from reading as many books? Is the pr- the last four years, the preparation for this radio show I do in the Yes. Yeah, it, it is time. a... I mean, I have to read, and this is not an exaggeration, between two and five hours a day of news. Mm-hmm. That I have to digest this stuff. And I have sources and people that point me in directions of certain stories and can help, you know slice down the amount of time I spend preparing. But it's hours and hours and hours a day. I read anywhere from, I mean, a minimum of 20 or 30 all the way up to 75 to 100 articles a day. Mm. And, you know, after you read all that, your eyes hurt, your head hurts. The last thing I want to do is pick up a book. Um, You know, I read, uh, I'm trying to think of the last book I read. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I just... I don't know. I, I, I wish I read more. I used to read a lot. I love reading. Uh, I like right. I like biographies. I like. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I I wish I read more right now. But I, I I just my entertainment is basically digging through and trying to figure trying to make sense I, of what all this stuff's going I on. I used to be that way, and yeah. even before I jumped on the radio, I was a news junkie. Yeah. And, gotta be careful with that. And something, that, and I think it coincided with you know the tragedy. I think most people know about yeah, in my sure. life. Um, that sort of snapped me into perspective. And then before then, I was already a bit burnt out on it because every news report's like, oh, the biggest story, Fox yeah. News alert. Everything is this big deal, and eventually you see so much of it that I, I start to get cynical, but then I realize I have to put it down or I really will get resentful and nasty. And so I keep up with politics. I read enough to where it's like, okay, here's what's going on you know, in terms of geopolitical developments. Here's what's going on domestically. How's the tax law going to work? I try not to get too sucked into what I would call palace intrigue and sort of the insider fighting game. I leave that to other people, like with what's going on with Comey. Well, and, like the, the tax Mueller bill, and, I had a lot of people ask me, what what do you make of the tax bill? And I didn't honestly look at the tax. I don't worry about bills that are passing. Right. I don't, because I, I don't, but like this Comey, Mueller stuff, mm. and, and I, I'll be honest, I mean, I cannot say how close my source is to this thing, but... It's unbelievable the information I'm getting, and it's not a guy is not breaking the rules or right, anything. Right. What he's telling me is, have you seen? You know, he'll he'll send me a text or a call or say, "Have you seen this article that's out?" And I'll say, "No." He said, "You should read it." Hmm. And then I'm like, "Okay, yeah, cool." And he's like, "I'll talk to you later." <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm like, oh, "Oh, okay." 
And so then I'll read it, and then I'll go, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then he'll say, uh, he'll say, hey man, everybody's, you know, everybody will be talking about this article. I send him a text, say, what do you make of this? He'll say, eh, I'm not a fan of that article. I don't like that article. You know, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Wink, wink. Right. And so he kind of points me in certain directions, but he's led me to believe, without saying it, that I implicitly believe Robert Mueller is a good actor. And that, that puts me in a very small minority of Trump fans. Right, right. I believe Robert Mueller's a good actor, and I believe Donald Trump survives this, and there is a house cleaning coming in the federal government. It does seem that way. On a scale never and before people seen. people have been lambasting Jeff Sessions. It does seem like... Sleepy Jeff is on the job. Yeah, it does I believe seem that. like behind the DOJ Inspector General, it does seem like there's some sort of grand jury's been set up. Go back to the Cohen raid. Everybody made a big deal out of that. There are a lot of these things where you've got to think, why is Trump letting, like Mike Flynn, why is Trump letting Mike Flynn fall? What are they trying to set up with that? Mm. I think we'll find out in the end, Mike Flynn's not going to do a day in prison. He's going to be, you know, his name's going to be cleared. Cohen probably had something in that office that people need to see and need to know about. I think we're going to see what was on that life insurance file from Anthony Weiner at some point. Right. Um, but but again, you're talking about a level of treason that has gone on in this country uh, with the A1 brothers and so many other things that I mean, there's so many moving pieces to this story. It's all related. The amount of treason, the amount of wholesale selling of American secrets to hostile powers. Uh, the amount of false flag events and all this, it is so massive that if it all came out at once, the public's not prepared for it, and the country could honestly start to break apart. And and people honestly, seriously lose trust and faith in their government. And I think Trump is trying to manage that. And I think Sessions is trying to manage that. And I think Mueller is trying to manage that. I think Mueller is there to do a job. <laughs> and I think he's doing that job. And part of it has to make conservatives very, very nervous in order for them to do their job sure. correctly. And a lot of conservatives don't want to hear that. True. They don't want to hear that. But keep in mind, the man has four years minimum to set this country back on the right path. I think he's going to turn this this globalism and this, uh, this, this subterfuge inside the United States government, I think he's going to turn that clock back about 40 or 50 well, years. I, I mean, we can go back on the tape, uh, because there were a lot of libertarians that were behind Trump, actually. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and there were some things Trump said that I, I liked as a libertarian, especially when it came to war. I don't know how much he's followed through on that. We'll see. It's a long game. But my, my sober analysis of Trump when this was all getting going is that he will probably, at his best, be the guy who consolidates what I consider to be the American empire. He won't tear anything down. He's not going to bring all the troops home like Ron Paul. He's he's not going to expand things either. I think what he's doing is like, okay, the U.S. has this much power and leverage for these next few years. I'm going to use it to consolidate our gains we already have. This is why you have the strengthening of NATO. And he's essentially going to make have a stronger foundation. The one part that makes me nervous, and I hope this is where Trump pivots after maybe midterms or if he gets reelected, is debt and deficits. That's where I hope he pivots because that is our Achilles heel right now. We are on a balance sheet in such good shape in this country. $20 trillion seems like a lot. $21 trillion seems like a lot. We are in such good shape on the balance sheet when you consider the amount of gold, the amount of resources, the amount of natural national park land we have, um, oil reserves and everything. I mean, we have, if you take America on an income sheet, we look like we're upside down because we're losing money every year. If you take America on a balance sheet, 
our assets, you know, assets minus liabilities equal equity, our assets so exceed our liabilities yes, yes. that we have so much equity built up in this country. Well, that's, I'm not why, about that. that's why we continue to be the world reserve currency. Yeah, and, and we could spend, but, and, and you know, Trump is talking about spending a trillion on infrastructure. We could spend 20 trillion on infrastructure in the next 10 years, and it wouldn't set this country's balance sheet back 1%. I don't know if I agree Oh, we have hundreds that. of trillions of dollars in assets. Yeah. Hundreds of trillions. Uh, I mean, we have... What, what was it, 8,000 tons of gold or something in this country? I mean, it's it's unbelievable how liqu- how, how, how stable and solvent we are. It, it's absolutely unbelievable. What we don't have, what we where we are in trouble, is we have people inside the United States government selling and operating the United States military and State Department and everything else like a private army for corporate gain. Oh, yeah. And that we cannot withstand for very long. Well, and this whole uh, this mercenary market that yeah. the State Department has single-handedly created. Well, and uh, it's Trump, crazy. Trump, I think, is in the process of turning all that back. Hopefully, but I think the genie's out of the bottle because if the United States stops hiring. And I know folks don't like that term mercenary, but that's what it is. It is. That's exactly um, right. Other countries will hire them, and it's yeah. what's happening. I think that's kind of been created, and good luck in stopping it. Well, you, you'll, I think you'll see a lot of this turn back. I think you'll see a lot of the Muslim extremism turn back because the globalists have really amped up and funded Muslim extremists and let them run wild because they're accomplishing their goal through that. So I think you'll see that tamp down. I think you'll see the, the you know, in the in the 1930s and 40s, it was the communist infiltration of the State Department the Department of Defense. Now it's the Muslim Brotherhood infiltration. And the most visible face of that, and people don't want to hear this, is Huma Abedin mm-hmm. and the Awan brothers. And when you realize the Awan brothers were working for 40 different Democrat congressmen, you'll see very quickly how influential the Muslim Brotherhood was in the United States government, Trump is going to turn that back, and it's going to be painful to see. Well, I'm glad you've kept track of all this stuff because, it, you know, I'm focusing on getting my body right, getting my mind you right, you, you know, need enjoying. To. And, the rest of it's going to happen anyway. And, you know, I just look for anything that can touch me. Anything I can find to touch myself. I'm just glad there's a big desk between us because... Well, don't take it that way. I might be sitting in your lap. Well, there's a camera in here now. We I can't, know. We can't know. do that anymore. It's wrecked my whole life. Well, you'll still come back, though, though we can't do that, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for having me. It's fun. Yeah, this, is, this went quickly. Yeah. We got a lot out. We did. I'm going to send you this book, The Progressive Era. Please do. I think I can find it for free. I think it actually goes along with a lot of what you're saying. Good. I want to see it. Well, if it dogs Teddy, I'm going to be mad, but I'll read it. We'll dog him a little bit. but okay. right. I'll be back tomorrow night, folks, with a very important guest. Uh-oh. Big guest. Uh-oh. Bigger than uh, award-winning.